Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and alongside me, well, it's a motorway service station enthusiast and one of the finest reporters in the Premier League. It's Lindsay Hooper. Hi, road tripper, Lindsay. Hello. You wouldn't believe some of the sights that I see at motorway <laughs> service stations, I tell you. There was a dog swap going on the other day what? that I saw. Yeah, people swapping dogs All at a motorway service station. and legitimate, do we think? Or was there I don't know, but... There were a couple of policemen that walked past to go and get their usual Mackie D's, so um, they didn't seem to pay too much attention to it. (laughs) Well, you've been clocking up some serious miles, I know. Someone who's been clocking up some serious amounts of painkillers is Hayley McQueen, magnificent Sky Sports news anchor, but also wisdom toothless, I think. Are you completely wisdom toothless now, Hayley? Um, So I've got one... I have half of my wisdom left, so I'm not as wise (laughs) as I was but I've still got a little bit of wisdom left. And it's actually, so we recorded last week, the day after I'd had the surgery and I sounded okay and I felt not horrific, but I've got lockjaw, an interesting, um, an interesting problem to have when you Google it. Um, and I've had this for a week, so I can only slide very small things into my mouth. Because oh, no. my, my, yeah, and it's going to take three, yeah, it's going to take three weeks to get over this strange lockjaw situation. And I'm now on these double antibiotics because I don't think it was healing as well as it should have been. So I'm worse now than I was last oh, week. Right. I'm so sorry. Everyone knows that my mind is in the gutter right now. Oh, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I really wish you a speedy recovery hun yeah Hayley sent a picture through earlier on in the week where she she looked a bit drowsy but 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 you had these massive lips and I had no idea basically gives you a lip job it does so I was supposed to be back presenting on Sunday after having the surgery on Wednesday like what was I thinking they were like get her back in quick the viewing figures will go up yeah they'd be like oh she's had surgery on Right, yeah, really, your teeth, really? Like, she's had her lips done. Yeah, they all swelled up. And my, my face, it was really weird. I looked slightly strange. If mm-hmm. anyone's a fan of Married at First Sight Australia, you will know about the love of lip filler in that show. Oh. And when I saw your picture, I thought, blimmin' heck, it looks like she's up for Married <laughs> at First Sight. Um, anyway, listen, uh, we, we wish you a speedy recovery, Hayley. Hopefully uh, you're on the right track now with yeah. this double dose of antibiotics. Uh, well, I'm a bit tired too, um, a little bit shattered after my house move. I mentioned it last week, didn't I, with all the removal guys kind of listening in at the door and asking for shout outs and stuff like that. That whilst whilst we were recording the podcast, well, the the move has happened. I, I'm currently in a room full of boxes, and there are just there are just basically cardboard towers all over the house. This week, Flo's taken a bit of inspiration from house moves, uh, but this week it's all about football moves, ladies. Uh, luckily, it doesn't involve any actual packing or unpacking of boxes. Otherwise, I really might just lose my head. In just a moment, we'll speak about movers up and down the Premier League table. Uh, We're going to be talking about returning home for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, recalled to the Swedish national team 
five years after announcing his retirement. So we'll look at other examples of when that's been a success. And we'll look at managers moving away, leaving clubs and what mementos we might take if we were on the move from a managerial position. All that's to come. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Yeah, I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Yeah, I like to so topic one, we've got just two months to go until the end of the season. There's still a lot to play for, though, when it comes to qualifying for Europe and who might occupy that third relegation spot. So in this first topic, we're looking at the movers in the Premier League table going up, going down. How do we think it'll pan out at this crucial point in the season? Um, we'll take it bit by bit. Um, I'm sure some of us are going to be speaking about the same clubs here. Um, Hayley, why don't you throw in at the first club that you want to speak about in terms of either Champions League or relegation? Okay, so I was looking at bookmakers and I've looked at some of the stats to see where we think we are. Now, chances of finishing in the top four, Manchester City, they're probably going to win the league. So we'll we'll just take them away from the situation. Manchester United, yes, top four. I think we'll take them out. They have a 95% chance of finishing in the top four when you look at all the bookmakers' odds. You then have Chelsea at 75%. Now, lowly Liverpool have just 27% of finishing in the top four. And then it's down to Leicester. And interestingly, so I want to talk about Leicester because based on performances in the last 10 matches... Of the last 10 Premier League seasons, regardless of whether these teams have been in the Premier League or not, we are taking the average, Crystal Palace and Leicester perform much better than any other side that's trying to battle towards the end of the season, which I found really interesting. That's interesting about Leicester because, of course, last season they tailed off. They'd been in that top four position and many people think, "Uh uh-oh, this is a repeat of what happened last time and Leicester slipping down. So it's interesting you say over a 10-year period, they're actually one of the teams that performs better towards yes. the end. That might give Leicester fans some encouragement. Yeah, I think so. Because in the last 10 games of the last 10 seasons, they've actually averaged 17.8 points. So this is obviously in the championship as well. As opposed to when you look at the average of 10 games over the rest of a season, 12.7 points. So there's That's a big difference there. Yeah. Crystal Palace averaged 10 over a season and 15 from their last 10 games. So they're also a side that are really up for a fight. I just have Leicester down. And when you look at Leicester's run, really, I think it is very achievable. They have home games and these are against West Brom, Crystal Palace and Newcastle. And there's a cheeky little away trip down on the South Coast to take on Southampton. I don't think they're going to have any problem navigating through those fixtures. Win them and I think they will, yeah, they'll be finishing in the top four quite easily. And what what another achievement for Brendan Rodgers, my God. Yeah, I've got got the same thing. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but just looking at Leicester, you know, particularly because that sort of win against Sheffield United, they had a result against Brighton as well. They are they are picking up points now. Momentum seems to be with them. There's five points difference between Leicester in third and Chelsea in fourth. So it, it, it kind of feels to me that if Leicester carry on on this trajectory, they will be one of the one of the four Champions League teams. A team who's slipped down the rankings and I think is going down in terms of 
not finishing in the top four is Everton. They're currently seventh in the table and they they were the team that were out in front right at the beginning of the season. Carlo Ancelotti in charge. Many people thinking, yeah, this is the season for them to get Champions League football and, and finish above Liverpool. And I'm not even sure whether that's going to happen anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I think when you look at Everton, their form has dipped. It usually does. I, I haven't got the statistics like Haley has in terms of an end of season, but they do tend to have periods where they falter a little. They have got really tricky patch coming up in a few games time. They have to take on Spurs, Arsenal, Villa and West Ham, who two of the other form teams that we've seen this campaign. They end the season facing Manchester City, who, even if they've won the title, I don't think are going to relent at all. Um, you know what Pep Guardiola's like with his points tallies and, and wanting to, to get the absolute optimum out of a team. So I look at the team's in and around that chase for the top four. And I just think that Everton are going one way whilst a few other teams are going another. I still wouldn't rule out West Ham. And I think Chelsea and Liverpool will probably be also trying to get that last place. But like you both, I think that Leicester City will will probably nab the third one. Yeah, I echo you on Everton as well, actually. Two consecutive losses, um, I think, for me, has pretty much ruled them out of the race um, for fourth. No Jordan Pickford as well. And we don't know quite how serious that is, do we? But that'll be a bit mm. of a loss. They've got this this really bad record of being down at half time, um, Everton. They haven't won in their last 49 games from that position. And their home form's not been great as well. It has a think it's around one win in eight at Goodison Park so all of that combined just says to me um, Everton will have a patchy run towards the end of the season and I can't see them crawling um, anywhere near back up Um, you know potentially they could drop a few points and fall a bit further down um, I mean I, I am a Liverpool fan as as both of you know but I just I just don't feel it's going Liverpool's way particularly not after those two losses earlier on in the month either I know we obviously won against Wolves Lindsay I'll mention that now to get that over and done with um, but um, I just I just I don't know why but I don't feel optimistic about Liverpool this season and I don't know if it if it feels that we're kind of on a bit of a downer and that's where it's going to sort of end but um but yeah, weirdly not optimistic about Liverpool. I don't chances. know, Kate, because it's tricky territory. I would say that finishing in the Europa League places could be more detrimental for the next campaign. I think they've got everything and every incentive to want to try and get that fourth spot. Uh, I know it was just a narrow 1-0 win against us, against Wolves, but I think it probably is the the catalyst that you needed for your season. You needed yeah, to get just a, a so. win over the line. And yeah, I, I wouldn't rule Liverpool out yet. I think there's going to be a lot of motivation not to finish in, in fifth, sixth or seventh. And and the, the problem is if they don't finish in that fourth spot, that's where they're going to be. They're going to be right in those Europa League places. Yeah. And they're going, to, they're going to need their squad for the Europa League, aren't they? You're going to really need that. And that's where you're struggling at the moment with so many injuries and hoping that actually next season you'll be firing on all cylinders. You'll have Van Dyke back and everything will just be perfect for you won't it Kate <laughs> thank you for the words of solace uh, Arsenal next for Liverpool then Villa um, and then Leeds United on the 17th of April which you know could be the fixture that you know defines us again it was such a good tie up last time wasn't it so um, let's see let's see where we go okay so in terms of pinning our colours to the mast on the top four mm-hmm. Manchester City we've said yep yeah. United yep yeah. mm-hmm. Leicester we've pretty much said yes and then Lindsay you're saying Chelsea 
uh, West Ham or Liverpool. So either of those three uh, positions, four, five and six in the table could make it through. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you disagree with any of those, Hayley, any you want to rule out before we move on to that tight relegation battle? No, I think you're about spot on. Obviously, City winning the league, United just behind. I think Chelsea will actually finish above Leicester. Well, actually, Chelsea face Leicester the penultimate game of the season. That could be a huge one. And I also think the game before that for Chelsea against Arsenal at home, that could be another key fixture because Arsenal have shown that they they can put Chelsea to the sword at times. And I think if they lost points in both of those matches, that could be critical. Mm. Okay, let's move on to relegation then. And I don't know if you're in agreement with me, ladies, but in terms of relegation spots, 19th West Brom, 20th Sheffield United, I'm going to pretty much nail those on and say mm-hmm. I don't give West gone. Brom or Sheffield United Yeah, they're both gone. Yeah. So it's this final relegation spot, isn't it? 18th place that is the subject of much debate. And we can spread this up the table, can't we? Currently Fulham in 18th. Then we go up to Newcastle in 17th, Brighton 16th, Burnley 15th and Southampton 14th. 14th. And that's where I've sort of ended it. I don't think Wolves are going to go down. I don't think they are one of those clubs. I mean, of course, technically they are, but I, I, I haven't put them in my picture of relegation woe at all. Um, there are just seven points that separate Southampton in 14th with Fulham in 18th. So what do we think about this? It is, it is a tough call on many levels. So Hayley, hit me with what you've got in terms of relegation. Gosh, I found this very, very hard. Um, I found it hard because I'm a girl from the northeast and we don't have Middlesbrough battling up there anymore, do we? And it doesn't look like they're going to get promoted or even make the playoffs. Um, Sunderland, well, they're in League One. So it'd be nice to have a big club like Newcastle in a big city, working class, northeast city, to stay up there and give everyone that little bit of hope. They've been through the mill, haven't they? They, The Newcastle fans have, have, have had it hard. Um, I just don't know what's going on up there, but it's Fulham who have had a little bit of a, a boost, haven't they? Um, mm. They've had an upwards trajectory, so they've got the momentum at the moment. Um, I do, however, think this is going to come down to possibly the last game of the season because Fulham take on Newcastle, but it's at Craven Cottage. So I think it might come down to that final game of the season. Imagine if it did, how cruel. But Fulham's run, it was just looking at their fixtures. So they they take on, and this is where the run of fixtures is going to get very hard. So they, they take on Wolves, who still obviously might be needing the points, Lindsay. That's at Craven Cottage. They then have trips to take on Arsenal and Chelsea, both away from home. Um, And the penultimate game of the season is Manchester United. Southampton might have something to play for. They have an away trip to Southampton as well. And then it's that game against Newcastle. I do think what Scott Parker has done has been incredible. Um, It looked like he was going to be a manager Um, struggling and maybe even out the door. But the fact that they have stuck with him, I think says an awful lot about the club. And the fact that he's managed to kind of rally his troops has been great. I'm just finding it really difficult to to decide between these two. Yeah, I've got Fulham with with the toughest run in, as you say. Southampton and Burnley have probably got the easiest runs in. Uh, runs in. Southampton and Burnley have probably got the easiest run ins by my calculation. And I'm actually going to take Brighton 
out of this conversation. So for me, Brighton are safe. That 2-1 win against Southampton, I think, has been the turning point. They've not been playing badly, have they? So I just wonder whether this is the point in the season where they are going to just, you know, secure consistent points um, and their fixtures as well. Um, not not overly concerning. They've got Newcastle United next, then Man U, Everton, Chelsea, Sheffield. I mean, you've, you've got sides playing for kind of so much here, but the fact that they won against Southampton, they'll take great confidence from, and I feel like it's going to go Brighton's way. So I'm I am taking them out. The thing is with Brighton is they can always produce this 1-0 victory over Mm. the most random of teams. You know, the teams that they go up against that you think they haven't got a chance. I think this season they've managed to really produce some some shock results. And that result, like you say, Kate, uh, against Southampton really will have helped them. Um, And I think it could could be. I wouldn't rule them out of it just yet. I think you're being a bit premature. But I think it could, (laughs) after this weekend, be the case that, they're out of it to a degree if they beat Newcastle because it's Brighton Newcastle on Saturday it's going to be a huge fixture I think when you look at the bottom of the table um, for me I think the gap to Burnley and Southampton for Fulham is too much 26 points to make up a gap of seven points on those two because they're both on 33 I just think it's too much I think the teams that they've got in their sights are Newcastle and Brighton and whoever wins if there is a winner out of Brighton and Newcastle this weekend, it will be the the losing team that Fulham can catch. Mm. Now, if they draw, that's even better news, I think, for Fulham because then they've got two teams they can try and drag in. I think that's what it comes down to. Newcastle, for me, I can't see where the wins are coming from. I can Mm. see them drawing matches. They're very good at drawing matches, but I actually see Fulham winning a few. Now, Fulham have got a tougher run-in in terms of fixtures, but I think that they might produce a surprise here or there Aston Villa for instance I think they could maybe get three points whereas I look at Newcastle's fixtures and they've got Arsenal Liverpool um, Leicester some some hard hard fixtures West Ham as well they might get a draw amongst those but I can't see them winning and that's why I think that Newcastle will be dragged into relegation Mm -hmm. and Fulham will finish maybe a point above them If it does get sticky with points, one thing to mention now is that um, Brighton and Newcastle have both got a game in hand um, on those other relegation um, potentials. Okay, and anything else to add, Lindsay? Uh, Just to say that it was outrageous that you even discussed Wolves in this conversation. I mean... (laughs) Let's just rule that out right away. The fact that you even went as high as that in the table. Come on, Fulham, 26 points. Wolves, 35. They would have to make up a nine-point gap. They'd have to get three more wins. And they've got exactly the same amount of, of games played. It's mathematically not impossible, but come on. It doesn't go that high up. In fact, we can get rid of Southampton and Burnley. This relegation race is between Brighton, Newcastle and Fulham. Uh, Let's rock on to topic two then. And this is a subject of international homecomings. We've had news this week of a return home. Zlatan Ibrahimovic recalled to the Swedish national team five years after announcing his retirement from international football. It's not the first time that he retired either, by the way. Um, What would a Euros be like without Zlatan? Anyway, it has to be done, doesn't it? So um, should we pick out some favourite international comebacks? Um, If we can, I'd like you to focus on players that have made a comeback out of retirement and left an even better 
uh, impression or just left some sort of defining mark in their final swan song. Hayley. I'm just going to pick out Lillian Turan because, my goodness, he won so many trophies in his career. I had no idea either that he actually retired officially at the age of 36 from a, from a heart defect. So he probably would have still kept on playing, but he decided to quit um, the French national team. He today actually is their most capped player um, with 142 caps, and he was a pivotal of the squad that won the 1998 World Cup. He went to Euro 2000 and just like Zidane, he was part of that mass exodus of players. They all just decided, right, that's it. We're all going to retire. Um, well, that was after the um, after the Euro 2000 2004, wasn't it? Where correct. the team had a big falling out. Dominic was there, I think, in charge charge at the time. I've 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 pulled out Makaleli for the same reason. Yes, there was, there was a whole trio of them, wasn't there? Zidane, Makaleli, and Charam, who um, basically said. Yeah. See, yeah. see you later. It, it was. It was that golden generation. Of course, it was Taram Zidane and Makaleli, I think you'd have to say, who, I guess, combined and, and, and made sure that France were the brilliant side that they were, but for whatever reason, just completely imploded, didn't they? Um, he was, however, after 2004, convinced to come back to the fold. And he actually played a part in their run to the final of the 2006 World Cup. Um, we know in 2008, they finished bottom of the group. Let's just get that in. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, his, his centre-back partnership with William Gallus as well was pretty much one of the reasons and their stern defence um, that France got as far as they did and made sure that he did become the most capped player coming out of retirement. But it must take a lot, mustn't it, when you've, you've, you've said you're... You've said au revoir. Well, Zlatan isn't the only Swede to come out of retirement, Kate. Henrik Larsson did this, not once, but twice. He withdrew after the 2002 World Cup and then played in the European Championships in 2004, as well as the World Cup in 2006. But let's focus on the 2004 Euros. He scored three goals in four matches, led Sweden to the quarterfinals. So what, what a, so what a statement coming out of retirement that was to make. He then then decided after the 2006 World Cup that he'd retire again, um, was coaxed out of retirement for the 2008 Euros and assisted Zlatan Ibrahimovic for a goal against Greece in the group stages. Unfortunately, Sweden didn't get as far as the quarterfinals on this occasion. But another example of a player that was lured out of retirement, put in some good performances um, and unlike Zlatan, who likes to win at everything, Larsson did it twice. <laughs> Hayley, who else have you got? Well, who can forget about Lionel Messi? His international career hasn't quite mirrored his club career, has it? So he was obviously very hurt about losing the Copa America final in 2016 and decided that that was enough. Enough is enough. He was just going to focus on playing for Barcelona and winning all the silverware he could possibly win there. Um, and the Argentina fans were absolutely devastated because, of course, they had the 2018 World Cup in their sights. Um, but yeah, he retired. He basically said goodbye. But it was the fans that begged him 
him to return to the side. There were campaigns. He was receiving like thousands upon thousands of letters to the training ground. I'm pretty sure they were all over his social media as well. And um, lo and behold, he came out of retirement, was responsible for the hat trick against Ecuador that made sure of their place in the 2018 World Cup. They had a bit of a disappointing summer in Russia. They did score just the one goal and unfortunately crashed out at the last 16 stage. Two eventual champions, though, it was France. The only other one that springs to mind that I think is worth a mention here, I'm sure there's going to be others that people will be thinking of. And as usual, you can uh, get in touch via our social channels at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and let us know yours. But I'll finish off with Roger Miller from Cameroon because uh, he announced towards the end of his international career that he he was going to be bowing out, uh, enjoying holidays. And that's exactly where he was when he got the call to come back. He was on a beach lapping it up, thinking, that's it, I've done my hard work. But no, the Cameroonian president decided, I know, we can't let him go. I'll beg him to come back. Uh, So he he did that begging plea on a phone call to get him to play in the 1990 World Cup. Uh, Eventually, Roger Miller agreed. Um, We went to Italy. He was 38 years old and he managed to score four goals. Um, And that was being off the pace for a little bit whilst he was sipping the caipirinhas or the pina coladas, whatever he was doing, to come back and score four goals in the 1990 World Cup. I like it very much. Thank you very much. Okay, let's move on to topic three. Okay, topic three. What's in the box? Uh, that's right. It's a popular game played by many people on YouTube, as I discovered earlier when I was looking it up, trying to find a little sound bite for it. Um, but yeah, it, this is a great game. So uh, it's been inspired by the much beloved Chris Wilder leaving Sheffield United after four years in charge, taking them all the way from League One to the Premier League. And this got producer Flo thinking about you know the typical box that you see managers carrying after they've been sacked or just anyone after they've been sacked they 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 always leave with one of those sort of archive filing boxes and i wanted to ask you ladies if you were a football manager and you had one of those boxes upon your departure what would be the five essential things that you'd be taking with you from your former club as you walk out the door. So, bit of fun. What would you have? Uh, get us started, please. Lindsay, what's your first thing? Well, as you both know, I can be a little bit of a menace, and I feel like most situations <laughs> where managers leave clubs, it's often because they've been given the boot. It's not very very harmonious most of the time, is it? So I was thinking, what would I want to do? I'd want to take the chief executive's pass so they couldn't get back in the building very easily. Just to leave a little marker there to remind them, you know what? You can have a little bit of a bad day because I've had one too. Yes, a bit like spreading crest seeds all over the training pitches or something. Okay, Hayley, your first one. Okay, I mean, you've got to take the mug off your desk because it's been sitting there like a little companion, hasn't it? Probably not the one filled with coffee, but filled with highlighters, pens, pencils, um, whiteboard markers. You can never have enough pens, ladies. You can never find one at home. I've even got a pencil case, but guess what? I leave it at work and my other half goes absolutely bonkers at me. So <laughs> take the mug because that will be priceless memorabilia because it was probably been on that desk since, I don't know, 2001. Um, oh, so you've got a, a nice... long spell in charge, haven't you? Yeah, or just it might have been sitting there from the previous manager, but you can just never have enough pens. And at Sky, you see, there's a big filing cabinet where they keep notepads and pens. I'm forever stealing <gasps> the, the stationery pens. cupboard. <laughs> 
There's a stationary um, cupboard. I've got a lot of my pens. In um, when Linz and I went to Brazil for the World Cup, we got those typical Coca-Cola takeaway. cups didn't we when we whenever we had oh yeah they were good so so i've got all of my pens in those i think i've got i've got a couple from canada as well maybe but but yeah i'm I'm currently in my office with those right in front of me funny you should bring up pens i've actually lost my little pencil case that i carry everywhere to matches with all my pens in now that is a very tricky situation to find yourself in because i'm sure it's got a favorite pen in there a favorite highlighter Um, I, in my first, I, I mean, mine's, mine's going to be quite a large box, by the way. I've got a tactics board in it because there's no way that the next person's taking my masterpiece away with them. Um, not that they may want my masterpiece because I've been sacked, but I'm taking my tactics board with me. Hayley, what's next for you? Okay, what about those training ground flip-flops? You know, the ones you see footballers wearing with the lovely <laughs> thick socks pulled up to their ankles and they just have those sliders on because you can't just buy them anywhere, can you? They're official. Unless they've got the club crest on them, you probably don't want to be wearing them. But because the manager is probably going to be finding himself on a beach when we're allowed to travel sometime soon, he needs his trusty flip-flops that he's been very comfortable in at the training ground, preferably the branded but non-club branded pair. Okay. Lindsay (laughs) showing the inner workings of my brain like always thinking I'm probably also given the impression don't ever cross me because um I've obviously taken the chief executive's pass and and they've had a nightmare day trying to get all of all of their uh, access to different rooms back up and running I'm also taking a signed shirt from all of the players and the motive behind this is that especially if I've been sacked, it's probably because I haven't been very good at my job and I might not get another coaching role. So I think I might might need to put this on eBay at some point. Throwback. Um, I've just written here all of my trophies ofs. I'm glad that I'm doing myself down and you've won trophies. (laughs) Uh, Hayley? A couple more things. What about a USB stick? Because you can just, you don't need to put that into a big pocket and you could just actually walk out without a box. Everything that you need to have is on a USB stick and a little bit like Lindsay, you need all those work emails because you never know when you're going to need to delve back into those that you oh, might not have access to in the future. That would probably be against the terms of your contract because no. that would be stealing confidential information. Well, it? it's your own information, your own emails and all the information, everything you've saved on the computer, stick it on the USB stick because you just never know when you're going to need to use it. Oh, there's one thing you see in every single box if you've watched a film where there's been an exit, someone's been given what the heave ho from a company. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the film Seven, Kate. I'm, I'm talking about any film where someone gets the sack and they're walking out with the box. There's a plant, isn't there? A plant that doesn't oh, belong yes. to you, but you put the plant in the box. I would do that just for fits and giggles. And your plant um, would have a name, wouldn't it, obviously? Cause you'd, cause, because It would by the time I got day. it home. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have paid the plant much attention, to be honest. It's just that final day, isn't it? Put a plant in the box. Um, But forget a box as well, Kate. I think I'm going to need more than a box. I'm going to open up my boot and I'm going to put in crates of the mineral water. Because if I've been at a Premier League team, they tend to have those mineral waters which have got the the club logo on them. And I I don't know about you both, but I hate buying mineral water. I hate it. So I'd load my car up with a few crates of those. 
We're basically home. stealing stuff that doesn't belong to us, really, <laughs> yes. aren't we? Um, um, talking about confidential information, I take my dossiers because I would be one of those sorts of managers, wouldn't I? I would have dossiers, right, Lindsay? <laughs> I'd have I'd have 120 page dossiers like Jose Mourinho on Arsene Wenger, just 120 pages full of Arsene Wenger's comments about my club as we continued a war of words. Yes, that's right. I'd write everything down. I'd have several dossiers and they are all coming in my box with me. I'm up to four. So my final thing, I've gone for some big items like the crates of mineral water. I'm going for a very small one next. And it's the final thing that you, especially this day and age, cannot leave behind purely because of germs. And that's your whistle. I think as a head coach, I need to make sure I've got my whistle with me and don't leave any germs behind. Um, I've got sweets because obviously I'd be the kind of manager, as we know, who likes sweets and lives off sweets. I have a sweet stash wherever I go. So I would take my sweet stash. Maybe they'd be branded club sweets. I don't know, but I'd, I'd have to take my sweets with me. I remember going to interview Roberto Martinez when he just got the job as Everton manager and had gone into his office and it was completely bare. There was just a desk, a little computer. He had his little pen and his notepad. It was the first day he'd actually spent in his in his proper office. He'd obviously been appointed, had a little bit of a holiday, had a lovely time. He had a baby on the way. So he was very busy, obviously, preparing for a, a nursery and things at home. But his, his office was stark. However, he was like, would you like a coffee? He was so keen to offer me a cup of coffee. Um, I'm a big coffee drinker now, but then I was more of a cup of tea kind of girl, having spent a lot of time up north. Um, And he'd installed, the only thing in his whole big office was a coffee machine with all the water, these little china cups and everything all laid out perfectly. He obviously was a big fan of his coffee, knowing that he had to probably be at training at goodness knows what time in the morning and needed his coffee to start. So I'd, I'd absolutely make sure that anything like that, that I brought in myself, that I probably paid for myself and installed would be coming with me. For my final one, um, and this is all based around personal preference, I'm a rubbish cook. I'm an unwilling, uncapable cook. I don't like cooking. I find it a drag. I get no joy from it. So I'm taking a chef with me. I'm going to make it part of my exit agreement. I'm going to put a chef. It would have to be maybe a small Italian chef (laughs) in my (laughs) box and out I march. That's a really Uh, good idea. Well, I think we've got some brilliant boxes there, ladies. Uh, Next up, any other business? All right, any other business? Let's get cracking. Smaller underground football stories that we may not be aware of from the week just gone. Lindsay, get us started. Mikel Antonio selecting Jamaica over England for his Mm, international future. I don't know whether you saw that story break. I'm actually doing a feature on this um, at work at the moment. But yeah, he never made a senior appearance for England. He had been part of two England squads under Sam Allardyce, that brief tenure, and with Gareth Southgate. Uh, But he hadn't made his senior appearance and he's decided that he's going to play for the reggae boys from now on. There we go. Um, I'm going to talk about Neymar, who features in Fortnite. Now, this is not an obvious coupling. I don't know if either of you know much about Fortnite. If you've got teenage children, you probably know all about it. Um, It's basically like an online world where you battle other characters um, who are controlled by the game or by other players. There's sort of fighting and zombie-like creatures. And in the next release, Neymar 
pops up. I think it's confused quite a few people because he's a footballer, not a fighter. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it all comes out. Um, he he is a fan of the game. Apparently, he's played with pros like Ninja. Yes, I've no idea either in the past. Uh, so the collaboration apparently should come as no surprise. So there you go. Neymar in Fortnite. Hayley. Wow. Okay, mine is something I noticed when I was watching a soccer special and they have the Super 6, so you obviously bet on different games and there was one person who was about to win £250,000 after correctly predicting five games, okay? He had five out of six correct and then he just had Chelsea beating Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and there was that 94th minute goal, which completely <laughs> ruined everything. So it was a 1-0 when he was looking for, obviously 2-0 aggregate. But yeah, you can imagine, you think you've got to 90 minutes, you're pretty much thinking you've got £250,000. That's why but, I yeah. can't bet, because I'd just be too upset when things like that happened. Um, Lindsay, what else have you got for oh. us? Wes Morgan, um, he's beginning the next stage of his career, it looks like, because it was announced that he has signed up for an MSc in football directorship. So he could be a future director of football. And he's doing that with the Global Institute of Sport, I spotted. Um, And I think that would be a really natural path for him to take. Yeah, fair enough. And um, big news in the women's game um, and Old Trafford will play host to Manchester United women for the first time ever. Uh, their game against West Ham in the Women's Super League will be played there on the 27th of March. And although it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy year, it's nice to have something to look forward to. No fans, of course, but great news for Manchester United women playing at Old Trafford. All right, we'll leave it there and hastily bid you goodbye. Thanks very much for letting us know how you're finding us, what you're liking. Uh, it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can leave us a review, please do, on any of the appropriate podcast platforms. Don't forget the website too, offsiderulepodcast.com. Plenty of football content there. Uh, Lindsay, we know you've been clocking up some serious miles. Where is the Hooper Mobile taking you this weekend? My mobile is taking me to Bristol City this weekend. Should be more straightforward than last week. I had a first because I was at the EFL Trophy final between Portsmouth and Salford. The first one that happened at Wembley last weekend. It was a bit of a bizarre one wasn't it? And I was doing that for the BBC, but we actually ran out of on-air time. The match went to extra time and penalties. So at the end of the first period of extra time, I had nowhere to broadcast to from after that. I stayed, of course, and finished the match. But yeah, bizarre one. That was a first to happen to me. But yeah, back to the normal, normal grind this weekend, Bristol City. um, I'll be going to see them and then a weekend off the week after. Oh, well, it will be a much-deserved weekend off, I tell you. Um, Hayley, I'm not sure when you're back at Sky Sports News, especially uh, if you're still in a lot of pain. I know. Well, I actually took, thankfully, well, I was supposed to be back in over the weekend, didn't happen. I took annual leave, so I'm off for a week. I think I took this off months ago thinking (laughs) that I might actually be able to go on holiday. What was I thinking? Or at least travel up north to go and see my parents and see um, family. But no... No, that hasn't happened either. So I'm just having a quiet week, which is, it's quite well planned because I can just recover, get back to normal and feel like my old self. Okay, we'll have a great week. We'll be back next week, of course, uh, picking up um, sometimes slightly odd and random football lines of the week and giving it our own spin. This is the Offside Rule. Thanks for listening. See you later. 
You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.